Welcome to Where You Are. I'm Michelle Horn. Raising a child with ADHD is challenging. And with the disrupted routines and uncertainty of COVID-19, these challenges may be intensifying for some families. We recently held a webinar with some great tips for parents and caregivers on supporting children and youth with ADHD during COVID-19. We wanted to share the webinar with our podcast listeners too. Our presenters, Dr. Candice Murray and Dr. Randall Gillis, discuss challenges that children and youth with ADHD are experiencing in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Kids and youth are being asked to remember more rules, to move less, to engage in virtual learning, and to spend less time with their peers. These clinicians offer concrete tips for parents and caregivers to try both at school and at home when supporting their children and youth. Dr. Candace Murray is a registered psychologist who has been practicing in the area of ADHD for over 20 years. Dr. Murray currently works in the Provincial ADHD Program at BC Children's Hospital. She's a clinical instructor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Murray also developed the Rolling with ADHD series, a free online program for parents of children with ADHD. Dr. Randall Gillis is also a registered psychologist who works in the Provincial ADHD Program at BC Children's Hospital. She has a particular interest in teaching parents evidence-based strategies to support their children with ADHD and co-leads the parenting group in the Provincial ADHD Program. She's a clinical instructor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of British Columbia and also works part-time in private practice. If you'd like to watch the webinar or access the slides, visit keltymentalhealth.ca or click on the link in the show notes. And now, here's the webinar. This afternoon, we're going to be talking about the challenge and tips for parents of children and youth with ADHD during the time of COVID. We're going to be discussing what the science is telling us. We're going to review four guiding principles for parenting a child with ADHD. We are going to be reviewing the challenges that are presenting children with ADHD in the school settings and then talking about challenges that parents are facing at home. We wanted to start by acknowledging that COVID-19 has been hard on all of us. And it's been especially hard for children and youth with ADHD who were designed to move and interact more with their world. So one of the key messages that we'd like to you to take home today is to keep your uh, expectations realistic. Be forgiving to yourself and to your child and also be kind to yourself and to your child. We are going to be covering a lot of information in this webinar in a very short period of time. And we, uh, we recognize that it might be overwhelming. So it would be great if you could just take home one or two tips from today's talk. Even just the words on this page would be, um, would be great. So just mention it, talking about realistic expectations, we want you to remember the 30% rule. The 30% rule is that children with ADHD have about a 30% delay in their brain maturation. So you take your child's age and you reduce it by 30%. Um, and this will give you a sense of what's realistic for your child. So a nine-year-old uh, has the same level of independence and organizational skills as a six-year-old. So what does the science tell us? Well, there have been two studies that we know of that, that look at the relationship between ADHD and COVID right now. 
So one of the studies looked at child ADHD symptoms and demonstrated that children with ADHD are experiencing more symptoms compared to before COVID-19. The second study looked at teenagers with ADHD and compared them to teenagers without ADHD and showed that teens with ADHD are experiencing much more challenges during COVID compared to teens without ADHD. So this means that they're struggling with specifically having fewer routines and um, they're having more challenges with the remote learning uh, experiences that they're presented with. So um, the th second finding of the second study is that parents have lower confidence in supporting their teens with ADHD. And that's in the area of remote learning and homeschool communication. And when we posted the advertisement for this webinar, we were really amazed at how quickly the webinar filled up. And we believe that that's a reflection of the fact that life uh, in, in the time of COVID and parenting a child with ADHD is really hard for parents. We are not going to be covering basic uh, parenting principles for, for parents of children with ADHD. So we are going to direct you to a program that was developed in the Provincial ADHD Program at BC Children's Hospital uh, that provides a free online support for parents of children with ADHD. So we often talk about parents of children with ADHD needing a black belt in parenting. And during COVID, this idea is even more true. So now Dr. Gillis is going to outline some underlying principles to parenting your child and teen with ADHD. All right. So the first and most important guideline is self-care. Essentially, you need to put your own mask on before you put your child's mask on. So you need to be thinking about maintaining your own sleep and eating routines. Uh, make sure that you're engaging in your own enjoyable activities. So still making time to connect with friends, uh, for example. Uh, also, make sure that you're taking time to engage in relaxing activities. So taking time for a bath, yoga, walks, whatever it is that helps to relax you. Um, and you also need to be watching out for that negative self-talk that often increases for us in times of stress. So take time to notice how you're talking to yourself and challenge yourself to talk to yourself more like a friend with compassion. This is a tough time and this is really important uh, to kind of find support wherever you can and even within. It's helpful if you can also be accessing resources and support. So just like you're doing by attending this talk and we do have additional resources for you at the end of this talk today. And we want to remind you to plan and schedule your self-care because often we do forget to prioritize it and, and then it doesn't end up happening. And finally, as Dr. Murray mentioned, trying to make sure that you're maintaining those realistic expectations, not only for your child, but also for yourself. So consciously working on increasing positives for kids with ADHD is always important. We know that they receive much more negative feedback than their typically developing peers. In COVID times, it's especially important to focus on this. 
Kids have had many disappointments lately with activities canceled, and they're likely receiving even more negative feedback with more rules to follow and changes to remember. So it's important to make sure that your children are still having those positive experiences in their lives. So for example, uh, still making sure that they're having some kind of interaction with their peers, whether this is virtually or socially distanced. It's important for you to try your best to catch your children uh, being good and to look for ways to praise them frequently. So try to pick a few behaviors to watch out for to make it more likely that you'll remember to praise them. Uh, it's important also to validate their emotions uh, when your children express them. So remembering that we can't tell someone else how to feel. Instead, we can try to understand why they're feeling a certain way and communicate acceptance. And then make sure that you're planning enjoyable activities for your children. So ensuring that they have uh, fun opportunities uh, for activities. And setting aside uh, child-directed time as well. So allowing your, your children to take the lead for a while. So you're not teaching them or directing them or telling them what to do. And finally, it's important that you continue to use external rewards and incentives to help motivate your kids to do the things that are tough or that they don't have the internal motivation to do. So for example, using reward charts. Uh, and so the next main area is supporting executive functioning. So we know that children with ADHD have deficits in their executive functioning their ability to plan, to problem solve, and think about the future. So there's a lot of information on this slide, and again, I would refer you back to our Rolling with ADHD program for additional information on how to implement some of these suggestions. Generally, though, we want you to be supporting your children's executive functioning by creating structure and consistency and reducing distractions in the environment. Also, know that you will have to provide reminders, use visual and auditory cues, and tell your children what to do as opposed to what not to do. And finally, help them to break tasks down by uh, creating checklists for them. So finally, we know that children with ADHD often lack motivation to engage in activities that are outside of their interests. And this is particularly relevant during COVID times because we know they're being asked to do more things that they don't have a personal interest in, like wearing masks and washing their hands. So Jessica McCabe, who has a blog called How to ADHD, talks about how to fix this motivation bridge by adding planks to the bridge. Um, and she's also included in our resource list at, at the end of the uh, talk today. So what she suggests is um, to add in novelty to activities, so new things are more interesting and motivating for kids with ADHD. Um, she suggests using rewards and incentives um, and making things relevant to the child or individual's interests. So letting your child do their assignment on basketball if they really like basketball, for example. And then finally, adding urgency, so setting deadlines and using timers. Okay, so I will pass it back to Dr. Murray, who's now going to narrow our focus onto the specific challenges and tips uh, during the pandemic. 
sorry, you're on mute, Dr. Murray. The school environment has changed a lot during COVID. Um, and so we're going to review some of the main areas uh, of challenge that children and youth with ADHD are experiencing. So the challenges are in obtaining support, wearing masks, washing hands, reduced movement, reduced physical contact, less novelty in their environment, um, lunchtime, which is related to reduced social contact, and the quarter semester system for high school students. Many of the changes in the school put, an, uh, put a strain on children and youth with ADHD because the demands they place on executive functioning. Um, so children with ADHD are having to curb their impulses more. They have to pay attention for longer periods of time. And there are more demands now on their working memory. So first, I'm going to start with um, just a general overview of the health and safety guidelines. Obviously, these are changing as COVID is changing. So the main areas that are addressed in the guidelines are the learning groups, which means children have a reduced amount of other children that they're interacting with, a, a so-called bubble, uh, guidelines around wearing masks, guidelines around physical distancing and reduced touching, and then guidelines around remote learning options. So again, without getting into too much detail about this, um, we want you to let you know that there are guidelines for um, elementary school kids and also for middle and high school kids, and the guidelines are slightly different. In general, as I said before, the guidelines do put a certain amount of stress on how children with ADHD naturally navigate their worlds. So um, children with ADHD do have unique learning needs and they thrive, as Dr. Gillis mentioned, when there's novelty, when there's hands-on learn learning, and when there's lots of uh, opportunities for movement at school. So fundamentally, kids with ADHD do need structure. So they need to know when things are going to happen. So having a schedule of the day, but they also need that flexibility. So they need to do, know what they are doing. They need flexibility with what they're doing, what they're reading, what they're writing about, what they're doing in gym class. And so this, this, these changes have put stress on their basic needs. So our first challenge is that because ADHD is not recognized in any of the special needs categories, the demands for advocating for a child with ADHD and a teen with ADHD are still there. They're just harder right now because teachers are juggling much more than they typically juggle. Um, so what we're suggesting is that reminding, first of all, that parents do need to advocate for their child with ADHD. What this means is sharing information about ADHD if a teacher is not as knowledgeable about ADHD, and then explaining how ADHD presents itself in your particular child. And what we would recommend is picking two or three areas that your child struggles with. It might be making transitions. It might, meet, it might mean that they need to move more or they get distracted easily. Um, listing those main core challenges that your particular child has and sharing that with the teacher. And then the challenges that you are seeing that the guidelines for, AD, for ADHD in the time of source guidelines for COVID are adding to your child's typical challenges. 
Um, we want you to have more frequent interactions with the teacher, but remember, keep it brief because they are juggling a lot. Um, and then finally, just we wanted to remind you that if your child does have an individual education plan, these are still being implemented and to make sure that that is still in place. Another part of advocacy is your child advocating for themselves. So um, we don't want this to uh, replace parental advocacy, but we want to, uh, you know, we're encouraging you to talk with your child about things that they can say, how they can explain ADHD to their teacher, such as saying things like, moving around helps me focus. Can you help me make a checklist? It's really hard for me to remember all the steps to this problem or to this assignment. Um, and we also want to remind everybody that children with ADHD have a hard time thinking in the moment. So they um, pulling things from their memory in the heat of the moment is much more difficult for kids with ADHD because their limbic systems tend to be more active than typical children. So again, don't rely on this, but it's a good skill for them to start to learn and to start using. The second challenge is mask wearing. So children with ADHD may not pay attention to how a mask is, is supposed to be worn. They may get frustrated when putting the mask on or move it around more than other kids, and they might be rushing to get outside. So the first kind of set of recommendations is that you, uh, if this is a problem for your child, that you speak with the teacher and you remind them that your child is going to need more reminders. So this means um, explicit teaching of how to wear the model with backups, visual backups, so a how-to photograph, as well as gentle reminders that how, in terms of how a mask should be worn. Um, we also always want to remind anybody interacting with children with ADHD, as Dr. Gillis said earlier, kids with ADHD do get more negative feedback than other kids. Therefore, always use incentives and praise for for children with ADHD when they are able to wear a mask properly, when they are following the rules, when they are able to do what we're asking them to do rather than punishment. And finally, um, of course, sort of the mantra for parents uh, of children with ADHD, there needs to be some acceptance for occasional improper use of, of the masks. So the second part of mask wearing that's challenging for kids with ADHD is um, forgetting to wear the mask. So rather than just remembering and not wearing it properly, children with ADHD are going to be more likely to leave the house without the mask in their backpack. So um, we want you to stock up on masks. Basically, what we're asking parents to do or recommending to parents is you buy much more masks than you think you would ever need. Um, and we want you to put those masks in many different places. So in your child's jacket pockets, in their backpack, in the glove compartment of your car, if you drive them to school. So um, have them readily available for your child. So if they do forget them, there's always backups and multiple backups. Another um, thing that we're recommending is that uh, more for younger children that they wear the masks on a sunglass or uh, eyeglass string. So it's always on them when they're going into the hallway or into areas where social distancing is not uh, realistic, that they have the mask on their body. Um, for older kids, a carabiner clip and clipping it onto their backpack or, you know, if they're wearing jeans, the hoop of their jeans, so they have it on them uh, as much as possible. 
Um, going back to what Dr. Gillis mentioned, kids with ADHD are motivated by novelty and interest. So if you can invest in fun, interesting, cool masks, bring your child mask shopping with you, <laughs> although a lot of kids with ADHD wouldn't really enjoy that process, if they can pick out masks or if you can get masks that they really like, that might increase their motivation and memory to, to wear the masks. Okay, so the third challenge is hand washing. We know that kids with ADHD touch things more than other kids. Um, we know that shifting for them is hard than other kids. So when they're going from the classroom to gym class or gym class back to the classroom, we know that those, those transitions in itself are hard for kids with ADHD. So asking them to remember to wash their hands on top of that um, is, is putting a, an extra load uh, on their executive functioning that they may not be able to handle. Uh, waiting is hard for kids with ADHD. So if you think about it, your kids have to line up, which is hard for kids with ADHD, and then, you know, ideally wash their hands for 20 seconds, which probably feels like 20 years for your kids. Um, they're also, as you know, really excited probably to get on to the next activity. So they are rushing that process. Um, and they also just might forget um, if they don't have a visual cue or other kids lining up in front of them to remind them to wash their hands. So again, very similar strategies to the mask uh, challenge is a how-to picture. So reminding children that they do need to wash their hands, um, having a regular routine. So every time you go back into the classroom or leave the classroom washing hands. But we also want to be realistic. And we know that kids with ADHD um, are going to uh, use something that is more accessible to them, like hand sanitizers. So hand sanitizers are easier to use. We want you to, again, like the masks, stock up on them, um, have them in their bag, have them in their hoodies, have them in, on, on their desk, on their table at school, uh, attach them to their backpack using, again, a carabiner. You can get hand sanitizers that have a little kind of loop at the top where you can clip something onto them. And then, again, similar to what Dr. Gillis said before about the motivation bridge, um, if you increase the likability or interest of the hand sanitizer, children with ADHD are going to be more likely to, or, you know, more likely to use them or to remember to use them. So having smells that they like or interesting containers can increase their interest in using uh, something like a hand sanitizer. So the fourth challenge is reduced movement. And this is especially difficult for um, parents who have a child who has the combined type of ADHD. So not just the distractibility, but also the restlessness or hyperactivity. So the challenge is that extracurricular activities have been significantly limited uh, or canceled in the schools and in the community centers. Gym classes are very different than what they used to look like. So um, there's not as much movement and interaction in gym classes. And just generally, kids are more confined to their classrooms and to their desks because of legitimate concerns about social distancing. Um, we've also been hearing that um, there's more restrictions on fidget tools in the classroom, which are sort of a bread and butter strategy for kids with ADHD, whether they're combined or the inattentive presentation. So what we recommend is um, for parents to try to get your kids to move as much as possible outside of school hours. What this means in a practical sense is 
have your kids walk to school and home from school if you can. If you can't, drop them off 15 minutes before uh, the, you know, the entrance of the school or 15 minutes before you get home as long as it's safe. So they are getting some physical activity. Um, so walking to and from school, uh, it would be a, a, a quite easy way to increase their physical activity. You can also request from your child's teacher that your child gets more breaks. So organizing some kind of hallway pass system where your child um, has some kind of signal or the teacher has a signal that allows your child to go into the hallway um, and, and get, some, get a, 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 a mental break and a movement break. And then finally, when they can't leave the classroom, um, we're recommending that, that parents talk to teachers about how they can incorporate fidget tools into the classroom. So um, having fidget tools, um, obviously um, having fidget tools that are washable is really important. Having a, a, a specific container or a Ziploc bag that your child's fidget tools go into is really important um, so other children aren't touching them. Um, using wiggle cushions, allowing children to stand up at their desks, um, doing chair push-ups, uh, using a therabrand around the desk legs or chair legs are other ideas for um, how children can move while they're working and um, reasonable things that you can ask uh, the classroom teacher if you can incorporate into your child's classroom routine. So the fifth challenge is that children with ADHD are having uh, reduced physical contact with other kids right now. So um, children with ADHD are, have been telling me that this is one of the hardest parts of COVID and teens are also talking about this too. So the social limitation and the physical limitations are very challenging for them. Um, one of the standard uh, recommendations we make for teachers when they're trying to give instructions to a child with ADHD is to touch them to get their attention and then deliver the instructions making eye contact. Now, of course, with physical distancing guidelines, um, it's harder to um, get their attention because we're, we're not supposed to be touching each other. So reminding the teacher that listening is hard for your child with ADHD and request that the teacher still get as close as safely possible to the child Use your child's name and make eye contact when delivering instructions and keeping instructions short, short to the point. And, you know, when appropriate, asking a child to repeat the instructions back to them, the teacher, so we know that the child heard and understood what was being asked of them. Um, the other part of this challenge is that even though there are rules in place, children with ADHD, uh, many of them are, are impulsive and they will touch things without thinking. So this is not that they are being oppositional, it's that that's how they explore their environment. That's how they connect with the world, that's how they learn. So um, physical impulsivity is part of ADHD and there needs to be some flexibility understanding around that. And I would advise parents to reframe. Um, sometimes impulsivity does get described as oppositional uh, or defiant behavior. And um, it's helpful sometimes to understand that this could be impulsivity driving these behaviors. The sixth challenge is that there is less variety uh, at school. Uh, with more rules and uh, more routines, there's less spontaneity, less novelty, and less flexibility. 
And as I mentioned previously, children with ADHD need a combination of basic routines, but also novelty and flexibility in order to function. So fun projects, fun tasks, fun assignments. Um, so we, we're hearing more and more that kids with ADHD are having more difficulty than, than typical in the classroom because of the guidelines and the changes in the school environment. So what you can do is request more frequent seating changes for your child, request that your child has more choices of projects and tasks in the classroom, request that they have a more active role in the classroom, teachers helper for younger children or asking older children to bring items to the office whenever it's appropriate. Um, for children really of all ages, if you're packing a lunch, put something fun in their lunch, try to spice up their day, um, make it as, uh, more fun, it, however you can. The seventh challenge is lunchtime. And this is also related to um, the decreased social contact that kids are having. So children are asked to eat in their learning groups. So they're not necessarily able to eat with their friends if their friends are not in their learning group. So what this means is that children are eager to get out because they want to see their friends and they also want to move. Um, so what we're recommending to parents is that you send quick and easy lunches for your children to eat because they are going to be rushing and we are hearing that uh, more lunches are coming home un uneaten than normal. Therefore, you know, if you know, usually you wouldn't send a granola bar. This might be the time where you would send a granola bar or crackers, something your child can eat quickly and on the run. For teenagers, this is a big issue. So uh, again, teenagers, um, even more so than younger kids, really want to be with their friends. So what we're hearing from uh, teens with ADHD and teens in general is that they're leaving school grounds more so they can be with their friends for certain portions of the day. And what this does for the ADHD kids is it puts much more demands on time management. So, um, you know, they have to leave school, then they have to remember when they have to get back and they have to organize how much time it's going to take to get back on time for their next class, for their afternoon class. So they are going to need more external reminders and cues for time. So having them uh, set a reminder in their phone half an hour before they have to get back and then 15 minutes before just so to remind them to get moving. Um, and some parents may need to just call their kids every day at whatever time you know, makes sense for your child's schedule to remind them to start heading back to school. Okay, so the um, other challenge is the quarter system, and this is affecting high school students. So you may know by this point that um, the semester system has changed significantly. So your child has two classes a day for 10 weeks of the year. So uh, the classes are much longer than your child is used to. And again, for teens with ADHD, this is very, very difficult. So we've heard ranges of classes being two hours long to three hours long. So um, the demands that this puts on teens with ADHD is just enormous in terms of their ability to focus and on what is being talked about in class. So um, again, similar to what we've talked about before, teens with ADHD need more movement breaks, especially in a two hour, three hour class. They do need fidgets at their desk 
And, um, you know, for teenagers, it looks different. It might be a water bottle that they can kind of fidget with, um, chewing on gum, wearing a bracelet, um, playing with it, getting some kind of cool texturized erasers that that your child can um, kind of handle when they're sitting at their desk. Um, And then also there are times when they may need to block out what's happening in class so they can get work done. And in those, uh, for that, we would recommend noise canceling headphones or some kids with ADHD really do focus better when they're listening to music. So that's another option. Usually music without lyrics is, is, um, is more effective. And then finally, finding a quiet place for them to work. So having access to the resource room or study carol if the classroom is too noisy or if they just need a change of scenery. Again, remember, they thrive off novelty. They need changes in their environment. With the heads up that what we're hearing is that the resource rooms are kind of overloaded. Um, and so this might be a more challenging uh, accommodation or support to ask for at this time. Setting up earlier in the semester is is going to be more uh, effective than waiting later on. And then the final part of the quarter semester that's challenging is the hybrid learning model and the accelerated learning model. So the hybrid learning model means that, and there's different variations of this, so some kids are going in for in-person class in the morning or afternoon, and then the second class is online or a portion of it is online. It really is varying from school to school. And what this means is it's hard for kids to keep track of their schedule. So we want you to write out their schedule on a calendar at the beginning of each semester so they know when they need to be home and when they need to be at school. And then the final piece is the accelerated learning. Um, So your children's learning, the content is being uh, accelerated. Um, They are learning more in less amount of time. And this is very challenging for kids with ADHD. So... um, What we are recommending is to keep your eye on it and act quickly. So if you can move to online learning, um, that would be a possible option where they have about a year to finish the coursework. This might be really important for subjects like math, where to catch up from even one or two days of missed school is much different than it was with the previous system of semesters. So be on top of that and move quickly and early if you can. Um, Again, requesting a resource block early in the semester and as early as possible so you can avoid your child getting behind and losing confidence. And then lastly, um, if you are able to hire a tutor to help get your child through the information that they need to get through in this accelerated program. Um, So now Dr. Gillis is going to talk about home challenges, including online learning and working from home and tips for supporting children and teens with ADHD uh, in the home environment. All right. Thanks, Dr. Murray. Um, So uh, as Dr. Murray said, I'll be addressing a number of challenges. So uh, first of all, less social contact that kids are having, uh, parents and kids being at home more, uh, fewer daily routines, and the online learning. So to start out with, uh, one of the challenges is that there are fewer scheduled activities these days. 
um, which can mean that children have less enjoyable activities to look forward to and less social interaction. So we suggest that you start out by sitting down and writing out a list of your child's interests. So things that they've enjoyed in the past or things that they have expressed an interest in trying. And then you can use this list to generate ideas in the moment when your child needs something to do. And then you can also use it to plan fun activities in advance for them to look forward to. Uh, and so when you plan these events, we suggest that you make them visible on the calendar so that your child can concretely see them and get excited about them uh, coming up. And of course, your child still needs interaction with their peers and family, and we suggest planning this in advance as, as well and putting that on the calendar, again, for them to have more things to be looking forward to. We also suggest trying new activities with your child. So Google and Pinterest are great ways to find interesting ideas out there. You can also ask your neighbors and friends um, and just try to have a stockpile of supplies and things that might uh, keep your, your children entertained. So even simple things like having some bubble wrap on hand uh, can be handy to just hand over to your child and entertain them for a while. Um, and you can get creative, do things like freeze toys and ice blocks and get your children to pick them, ice pick them out, um, build pillow forts, Lego, create slime challenges, download a karaoke program. Um, and you can also sign your children up for virtual lessons. So these are happening uh, these days, so even music lessons and things like that. Okay, and so the next challenge is that parents and kids are at home more, and therefore related challenge is that they will distract each other more during the day. So you'll want to set up designated workspaces with limited distractions if that's possible. So for example, a desk facing a wall and putting away distracting things like toys. Um, and we suggest posting a schedule of activities uh, each day for both parents and children in the common space so you know what each other's schedules are. And then make sure to plan specific check-in times through the day and use timers and alarms to keep on schedule as best as possible. And when parents are in meetings that can't be disrupted, remind your children uh, before your meeting starts that you cannot be interrupted. And then post a visual reminder as well on the door and also use rewards to motivate them to not interrupt you. Uh, so saying, hey, if you don't interrupt me in the next hour, um, you'll get some kind of a reward, whether that be screen time or some kind of a treat. In addition, you could post a visual problem-solving checklist on the door to give them ideas of what to try without interrupting you. So for example, putting the phone number of another family member on the list so they can try calling them. And finally, if your child can work independently, independently for periods of time, try to schedule your days so that you're working at the same time. And if two caregivers are at home, try to offset your schedules so you can take turns supporting your children. So the other challenge with parents and kids being home more is that there are likely increases in family frustrations. 
just as a function of being around each other more. Uh, so we suggest that you plan in advance, again, uh, breaks from each other. So actually planning to leave the house for a walk uh, and to take turns as caregivers, and even planning respite if you can. And this can happen virtually. So for example, planning a virtual call for your child with their grandparent while you get some house chores done. Um, and we want to note that increased screen time right now is okay. Again, think about putting your own mask on before your child's. If you need a break and screen times are the only thing that are going to help you, do not feel guilty about this. Taking care of yourself is ultimately going to help you take care of your child better in the long term. You can also make lists of things that help you and your child when you each get frustrated and so that you're planning in advance to have some tools handy when necessary. So things like deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, uh, even you know things like music or enjoyable activities. Um, one strategy that can be particularly helpful is remembering the acronym STOP. So remember to stop, take a deep breath, observe what's happening around you in the environment, and then make a decision to proceed um, rather than just reacting in the moment. And finally, access mental health support for yourself and your children if you're able to. So look into whether or not you have extended healthcare coverage for mental health support. Um, if not, some people can access support through their workplace. Um, and there is child and youth mental health, which is publicly funded. And we have some more information about this on our resource section. So another challenge is having fewer daily routines. So we suggest posting visual routines to help your child keep on track. Also, be mindful that screen time will likely go up, but still try your best to maintain boundaries around this. So you might increase the allowable screen time, but still have an ultimate limit on it. Um, and try to plan fun daily exercise and a time for this to happen regularly. So if your child does not want to go in the moment, you can try to use forced choice. So let's go for a walk to the park or go puddle jumping. Um, or you can also, as we keep mentioning, use rewards. So if uh, so, you can have 30 minutes of screen time if you go outside for an hour with me right now. For bad weather days, you could consider screen time activities that require some movement, so things like Wii or Dance Dance Revolution uh, or some kind of creative indoor exercise routine. Um, and then finally, have some healthy snacks easily accessible. So for example, buy a veggie tray with chopped veggies and leave it on the counter. Also, try to make unhealthy foods harder to access. So maybe throw them to the back of the cupboard or just hide them all together. So finally, online learning is a big challenge. And so first of all, uh, there's likely less structure and monitoring that is going to be happening at home compared to school, especially if parents are working. Um, so we suggest, again, sitting down and writing out a clear uh, set of rules for school time. So, for example, um, 
you know, letting your child know that they're only allowed to play Minecraft after 3 p.m. when school time is over and, uh, you know, setting out the expectation that they will participate in all of their online classes. And this might mean, you know, turning their camera on and having their mute, uh, microphone unmuted. Um, and then maybe some organizational skills. So uh, making sure that they put all their papers away in their binder at the end of the day. And so set daily SMART goals for school tasks. So um, these are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. So for example, instead of get your homework done, say something like the expectation is that you get 10 math questions completed by 2 p.m. Um, and of course, help your child to break tasks down uh, to a manageable level and use checklists. And then make sure that you have a time uh, set to check in on progress and follow through on this. So if you set those 10 math questions out as a SMART goal, make sure to follow up and see if it was completed, and then follow through on any rewards that were promised for completing those items. Um, so another challenge related to online learning is that it's um, hard to organize materials now when a lot of them are virtual uh, and kids have to do things like navigate multiple tabs on a screen. So start by scheduling time for organization into each day for your child if you can. So for example, at the end of the day, having 15 minutes for your child to, you know, plan what they're going to have to do the next day, write it out, um, organizing materials that they have, and put them in their binder. Um, we suggest using uh, paper agendas still to help them write things down and when they're due um, and to help them break tasks down. Um, and uh, your children can take advantage of the fact that there are a number of materials now that are recorded so they can be rewatched um, if they got distracted the first time. Uh, and finally, you can consider a tutor uh, that specifically works on study skills um, if that's available to you. And then finally, online learning involves a number of distractions. So first, we want you to work on tackling the internal distractors that your children with ADHD face. So try to get them to work when they're most alert. Um, and that'll kind of help to manage some of that internal distractibility that they can, they tend to feel. So, for example, trying to plan that they're going to work when their medication is most active or at a particular time of day when they're most awake. Um, also, try to get them to get that exercise in before they sit down to start working if you can. Um, and try to make movement breaks uh, planned throughout the day. And then next, try to think about those external distractors. So using headphones for online classes can be really helpful for kids because it also helps to block out uh, the distractors and the distracting noises that might be around them. Um, and you'll want to create a screen time plan together um, to address the electronic distractions. So again, we have this included in our resources at the end of the presentation, but we really strongly recommend that you sit down and have an agreed upon screen time plan, especially in this time when screens are uh, being accessed even more these days. 
Um, so when possible, remove these screen time distractors by using screen time monitoring apps. Um, so you can use, uh, you can also use software to block certain websites during school time if they still need access to their laptop or something like that to complete assignments. Um, and then you can actually physically take their phone or, or block social media apps during school time as well. And then also physically remove things like video game controllers so that they can't actually access those games. All right, so that brings us to the end of our tips uh, section. And we know that we have gone over a number of challenges and strategies today. And we wanna remind you that we don't expect you to implement everything that we recommend. We only want you to try to take one or two things away from this talk. And even if you don't have the capacity to make any specific changes right now, that's okay too. Um, as long as you remember that children and youth with ADHD may not be capable of consistently following all of the COVID-19 rules and guidelines, and, and you try to take away the following tips. Uh, we challenge you to acknowledge that impulsivity, inattention, and restlessness are core symptoms of ADHD, and to check are expectations reasonable for your child, either in the home setting or in the school setting as well? And then to accept that children and youth with ADHD are doing their best. And so we're going to leave you with the same words that we started with. COVID-19 has been hard on all of us. It's especially hard for children with ADHD who are designed to move and interact more with their world. So please keep realistic expectations, be forgiving, be kind to yourself and to your child. And so we have our resources page, which will be included in the slides that will be sent out uh, for everyone who is attending. And then we have a little bit of time for questions. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Murray and Dr. Gillis, for providing so many practical, tangible tips for um, our parents out there. Uh, so we do have some time for questions. If you have a question, please submit that via the Q&A icon at the bottom of your screen. So the first question for the presenters is from a parent who's wondering, with um, self-care and mental health being so important, do you have any tips for parents or caregivers with ADHD kids who have ADHD themselves? So any apps or programs or other resources you recommend? So I'll just, sorry, I'll just flip us back to the resources page, but go ahead, Dr. Murray, if you had something to say. Oh, just um, unfortunately, uh, we're not overflowing with recommendations on, on that uh, question for that request. But um, there is the uh, Vancouver Adult ADHD or ADD support group that was formerly CHAD uh, that is not meeting in person right now because of COVID, but um, typically that is a, a resource that's available for uh, adults and parents with uh, children with ADHD. Um, and there's also some Facebook pages for parents of children with ADHD that, um, that we get good feedback about. And as, as Dr. Gillis was indicating, in our resource list, we have CADAC and CHAD 
Um, I think we have Attitude Mag. Do we have that there? Can't see. Attitude Mag um, is another resource for um, parents of children with ADHD who are struggling with ADHD themselves. It's, it's a, it's, it makes things tougher for sure. So seeking support is really important. Great. Okay, so the next question is uh, from my parent who um, has a question about electronics. So the only incentive that works for my eight-year-old son is electronics, um, but he has issues coming off electronics when his time is up, so leading to major meltdowns or physical and verbal aggression. So um, how should this parent manage this? Uh, well, we can um, we can kind of think about that in in uh, there's several issues here. One is just acknowledging that children with ADHD and teens with ADHD are more drawn to video games and screens than typical children. They also have um, more difficulty with emotional regulation. So this is a very common problem that we hear about in the ADHD clinic. Um, so um, there probably is every situation has a uniqueness to it that's very difficult to address as a general question. But what we would advise is um, start with the basics, having very clear expectations about what the rules are around screen time and media time in your home. And uh, Dr. Gillis, again, sort of in the resource list, we have, um, I think we have the American Academy of Pediatrics and Common Sense Media, both our website, the, both of their websites have media plans that you can complete with your child. It's best to do it as a family. So just at the, at the outset, the expectations are very, very clear. And then it's a question of um, enforcing them and dealing with the frustration that is going to come up. I'll just add uh, quickly to that. Um, sometimes that... We often hear that uh, there are lots of things that don't work in terms of incentives, and I would just challenge parents to think about what kinds of things your children receive by default, um, and then see if there are any of those things, like what are they asking for that they just tend to be given, and you might be able to find, if you pull back on some of those uh you know, just daily kind of treats and things like that that they might get. Um, they might be things that you can use um, as rewards. Um, and this is uh, always a good thing to be teaching kids, right, that if they, you know, do something positive, then they get that positive reward. Um, and it's helping to set them up for success as adults as well, um, because by the time they're adults, you know, uh, no one's going to be paying for their cell phone bill for them or handing them electronics for free. So um, it's kind of thinking about those things that, um, that you might be able to brainstorm some additional rewards as well. I also should mention that in Rolling with ADHD, we do have um, one session on emotional regulation, and there might be some tips there for children who get very upset uh, and reactive when screens are shut off. Great, thank you so much. And I think we have time for one more question. So this final question is around um, masks. So a parent is asking, um, they find their son's mask is soaking wet by the end of the day, probably because of chewing on it or, or licking it because it bothers him. So he's compliant with wearing it and wears it every day, but even when he changes masks a few times a day, it's always wet. So any tips for, for dealing with that? 
I mean, I think uh, kind of one of the things that we addressed was, of course, just having multiple masks uh, available for him because that might be something that is just an impulsive um, and uh, unconscious thing that he is doing. Um, we have lots of kids, right, who chew on their shirts and, and other kinds of things. And so the mask is just probably more easily accessible now. It's right in front of their face. So it just might be, you know, having to send multiple masks so that he can change them out. Um, and I mean, trying to find a mask with a good fit, um, you know, making sure that it's not just falling into his mouth, something with a bit of structure might be helpful as well. Um, but this might be, yeah, accepting that he might need something. We do recommend sometimes like with t-shirt chewing, like the jewelry, things that they can replace it with, if that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Dr. Murray has more ideas. No, I was on the same lines as you sort of, um, you know, it would be uncomfortable to wear a soggy mask all day. So change it up. Uh, but also having, a, I see that could potentially be a way of fidgeting for your child. And so trying to find a replacement, something that they can do other than chewing on their masks might help. Great. Well, thank you so much. I think that um, brings us to the end of our time for this webinar. So thank you so much, Dr. Murray and Dr. Gillis, for your time today. Um, thank you to everyone for attending today.